Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies. Hi, this is David Hughes, Human Resources Practice Leader for the Southeast Region. Over the past few weeks, we received many questions in response to COVID-19, specifically related to furloughs and layoffs. Today, I'll be answering the question, what are the best practice approaches to selecting specific employees for a layoff? So to begin, there are several steps for you to consider in any program that involves employee layoffs. We're gonna quickly run through them, and then we're gonna focus more deeply on this particular question at hand. So everything has to start with a targeted financial goal, right? Um, It's usually the CEO or the owner working in conjunction with the finance leader to really identify where the company needs to get to financially. So you have to have an objective first. And frankly, often HR isn't even involved in that part of the decision. And you're just looked to, the HR folks are just looked to for executing the decision that's kind of already been made. So that's first and foremost comes. Uh, the second piece is, is thinking about what functional areas can afford to be affected negatively and what areas can, can't afford to be affected, affected negatively. This is kind of the horse trading that comes in play so that entire groups, departments, functions might have to be declared kind of off limits from a layoff because they're so mission critical to the business. You know, if you're a software development company and you've got a new release coming out, you know, many times that entire software group has to be protected and that's completely valid. And um, that's where, you know, obviously everyone's sort of involved in that HR and the senior leadership and, um, you know, the top leader themselves. So, once you've targeted kind of the functional areas and you know where you can go, where you can't go, this is where we get to this methodology. You need to determine the methodology for selecting those are going to, that are going to be impacted. And so there's all kinds of choices which we're going to run through, but some of the common ones might be like seniority or performance rating or their job status. So again, we're going to, we're going to come back to that. Then comes thinking about uh, for the folks that are going to be separated, you know, kind of comes thinking about severance options. Can you do it at all? Um, or do you want to do it in terms of flat amounts for everybody across the board? You want to do it by a, a range of weeks. So as opposed to a set dollar amount, a range of weeks of salary, because that would be different for everyone. Or do you want to follow a method with that's sort of a set amount of weeks plus extra pay for each year of service, for example, which is also pretty common. All through this, you need to be thinking about your communication plan, right? So that's a whole, a whole process unto itself. And you've got to be thinking about both before, during, and after communications, but also before, during, and after for those that are affected and the before, during, and after for your survivors, because you've got to have a, you know, a high-functioning company moving forward for after, the effect, uh, after the act as well. So when you do have a plan all figured out, really your, your, your 
next step is getting it reviewed and blessed, usually by an employment attorney. Uh, well worth the money, doesn't burn that many hours on their part, it's not that expensive, and can save you, you know, can save the whole company, frankly. So definitely not a step to, to skip is making sure that someone reviews your plan. So back to what we're really here to talk about, and that is um, the selection process. What, what, what kind of methods are there? What, what might you consider? How, how you go about it to keep yourself out of trouble legally, to keep the company able to, to move forward positively beyond it, um, and all those pieces that, that fit together. So here we go. Uh, you know, it's not just hard for HR level, but it's really hard for the whole organization. And there's certainly a lot at stake when you're going through this process. You got to worry about legal liability and organizational morale and keeping productivity up and long-term sustainability for the business. So when you want to take all that into consideration, there are several methods that you can use. And so here's what we're going we're gonna to talk about briefly about each one of these methods. So the first one is seniority-based selection. The next one would, would be based on employee status. Then would come merit-based selection, skills-based selection, and then finally, multiple criteria stack ranking. We'll save that one for last for sure. So first one that we mentioned seniority. So it's one of the simplest methods. It's basically where the last employees to get hired become the first people to get let go. And that makes sense in a logical sort of way. If someone was just, you know, recently hired, they probably haven't become a true organizational asset yet. And another good benefit of the method is that it can protect you against age discrimination suits. And that's typically because older workers with tenure won't be laid off using this method, right? So it greatly eliminates the, that danger in that group. So there are perks to that method. It's simple, and there's not much risk of age discrimination, but there's some shortfalls. And uh, the first is that just because someone was only recently hired doesn't mean they're not an asset to your organization. <laughs> you know, for example, if you had a really tough spot to fill or you uh, just hired an absolute rock star as a VP of sales, you know, obviously that would be a huge company asset that you'd hate to have to part with. So there are obviously exceptions that make this method, you know, not perfect. So the second method is selection based on employee status. So this method focuses on providing more security to your full-time people. And so this one is where it's going to target things like your contingent workers, contractors, part-timers. Maybe those are the folks that you lay off and you don't have to touch your full-time folks. So your organization does not have the same legal obligation to those contingent workers as it does to your full-time employees. So because of that, the method's good if you're really concerned about protecting your, your legal liability. And also, most of the people kind of understand the difference between letting go of a contractor versus letting go of a full-time employee. So while letting go of anybody's never good for your brand, it's probably more easily understood than letting go a full-time employee. So it's a little less damaging maybe to your, to your brand from the marketing perspective. But there's one big drawback to this one too, like there's to all of them. And this one underestimates, that, that drawback is underestimating the impact that your contingent workers have on the overall business. You know, maybe there's a real good reason that you use a contingent workforce that you can't, you know, maybe it's because you can't hire full-time people to do it. Maybe it's highly specialized. And so to imply that maybe they're just a low-hanging fruit doesn't necessarily hold, hold up. 
and that maybe you might be, you know, kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face. So definitely have to be careful with that. And the truth is, lots of organizations are relying more on contingent workforce than they ever have before. And they're even outsourcing complete functions, right? Or complete teams in some cases. So if your organization is heavily reliant on those kinds of workers, then this method probably isn't for you. So the third one that we'll talk about here is merit-based selection. So obviously this is one of the more popular methodologies in choosing uh, which employees to lay off. And it's for a very good reason. It um, definitely helps the company and managers weed out their poorly performing employees. But of course, there are several caveats here too that you can't overlook. And so uh, first, to be able to you know, correctly execute this method, you have to have a strong performance system already in place. So the danger is that a lot of times companies aren't particularly objective. Uh, you know, maybe they're not so consistent at doing them on, on a timely basis. And if you've got a situation like that where you don't have a consistent method that's being, you know, even-handedly applied across your group, that definitely can be a legal liability if someone gets back and says that, well, you know, I don't agree with what you did. So there is more legal liability there if you don't have really good documentation to back up your your decisions, right? So the other downfall on that one is that, I don't know, maybe it doesn't make sense to let go of you know, three people on each team across your organization, you know, the, the three lowest merit, because maybe the different teams have different performance. You don't have it calibrated, right? So that's, that's just kind of another problem that can arise with that method, although it's very popular. Next one is uh, that we mentioned was skills-based selection. So this one takes into, into account the issue we discussed in the, in the previous section about retaining your employees who have the skills that are most impactful to your, to your company. And to apply this method, you know, here's where, here's where the company itself needs to have a really good understanding of what its goals are, its objectives, how it's going to get there. You know, they have to be able to really assess what's most mission critical, what is the most valued trait that you got in your workforce, it kind of gets back to that earlier horse trading thing. It's like, okay, what's really untouchable around here? You know, if you really think about skills, so instead of thinking about departments, maybe it's thinking about critical skills across your organization that, that you think are, are vital and that you're just not going to touch those people who possess that particular skill across departments, right? So that's a pretty interesting method to go with. Um, it does have one issue and that, it's a little more susceptible to age discrimination. Uh, oftentimes, it's actually, in this case, it's the older workers that get let go because you've got the young hotshot kids who have these new talents that might be critical to the business moving forward, but that could, that could be something that you need to, to actually be careful about. So the last piece is this multiple criteria stack ranking, stack ranking, and it's kind of the the holy grail, I guess, if you will, because it's really kind of a, a mashup of all the prior methods that came before it, uh, all in one place with weighted averages on where you're assessing what's the most important to you. So while it's probably the most infected, uh, effective, you really got to have this, this an understanding of these deciding factors, and you got and you give them weights, and then you apply it to everybody individually in a real 
top to bottom stack ranking system. And so you obviously you lay off from the lowest and work your way up. Um, so very powerful, but like I, like I just said, it's also the most complicated and takes a lot of work and probably in our, given our current situation where businesses are needed to move really fast, this method method probably takes too much time and effort and you probably have to be set up for it way in advance. And, and so it's probably for another day and it's probably not really uh, the method that most people are able to go with when dealing, you know, in the here and now with this COVID stuff that we're having to tackle. So I know that I just came at, uh, at that through rapid fire. Uh, but again, your, your choices, including selecting, you know, employees by seniority and by status and merit and skills and through multiple criteria uh, stack ranking, you know, each has their advantages and disadvantages. And it's something that you need to be, to be considering and uh, feel free to reach out um, to our organization here on the human resources consulting side. If you want a, a little deeper dive on a personal basis with that. So I thank you for your time today. I hope you found the session valuable and look forward to providing actionable answers to more of your pressing questions in the near future. So everybody, please stay healthy and stay connected to your family and your friends and your coworkers. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.